Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Partial Historians. I am one of your fearless hosts, Dr. Greenfield. And I am Dr. Radford. And I think my turn says it all. <laughs> and I have with me today... We're celebrating... That's right. Oh my god. It's a celebratory packet of Tim Tams. And that means it's an Adriano Zumbo flavour. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations, Dr. G. We wish you the Thank you. <laughs> this is a landmark episode. It is episode 50. <laughs> We're half a century old. I can't believe it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to have something special, I think, to talk about today. What treasures? I know. Well, as we found in our last episode, your account somewhat differed to mine. However, there is one thing that we both have in common at around this time. And that is the death of a very notable figure of the early Republican years. Ah, yes. Mm. Publius Valerius Publicola. Yes. And uh, in my account, he seems to drop dead after (laughs) (laughs) the the whole Sabine conflict. Does that pretty much tally up with where he dies in your account? Yeah, we have this sort of moment where we're in around about 503-ish. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's the consulship of Publius Postumius Tubertus, Mm -hmm. consul for the second time, and Agrippa Menenius Lanatus, consul for the first time. This is also the consulship that I have (laughs) for his death. (laughs) And apparently, quite early on in this consulship, and this is only just after... Um, Valerius Publicola has retired from the consulship of the previous year. Sure. He dies. Uh, uh, Whoa! I know. Whoa! Livius has some great things to say about him, Dr. G. He says, He was a man universally allowed to have excelled all others in superior talents for both war and peace. Full of glory, but in such slender circumstances that he actually apparently didn't have enough cash to pay for a funeral. (laughs) (laughs) The true ideal Roman. Exactly, yes, yes. Yeah, so Dionysius casts it somewhat differently. Mm -hmm. He says uh, he was never overcome by avarice, so uh, the vice of uh, acquiring money and seeking it out and holding on to it. Sure. Um, He continues to live, or when he did live, uh, oh, I was going to say, what? <laughs> he rises from the... That's not significant <laughs> in his guys. No. Uh, throughout his life, after some controversy, yes. um, in terms about where he should live, mm. uh, he lives on a small estate mm. uh, inherited from his ancestors. Yeah. yeah. Leading a life of self-control mm. and being very frugal. Well, that's what you're supposed to do if you're Roman. Mm. Not supposed to be splashing the cash about like some gadabout. Even worse. (laughs) Even worse, and perhaps even more boring. Superior to every desire. Oh, God. I just, I mean, he sounds really boring for dinner parties. (laughs) Yeah. But he has had some interesting events in his life, and so we thought we might take a little walk down memory lane. I think it's important that we recap Publicola. He's a hugely significant figure in the emerging republic. Yeah. And he's not just covered in our source material by Livy and Dionysius, but Plutarch also does a whole life on the poor man. He merits his own Mm -hmm. biography. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So if you're curious about where we're getting our material from... It's mostly him. (laughs) There is going to be a a look at Plutarch particularly, because we haven't looked at him 
in that sense because we've been going through the narrative mm. as events occur. Yeah. Uh, but there is certainly a worthwhile aspect in thinking, considering Publicola's life, how he gets to where he is, yes. what this is saying about the definition of Romanness yes, in this early definitely. period. Yeah, because I mean, you can imagine that. Um, being in the period that he's in, there's probably a little bit of mythologizing perhaps going on with his reputation. No way. <laughs> no way. Wait for it. You want some of this mythologizing? Okay. Uh, all the Roman matrons. Oh, we're going to do a mourning for a year, let me guess. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to come together and decide that they must mourn for him mm. for an entire year. But you know what? That's not brand new, is it? We've had that before for someone like Brutus, I believe. Yeah, yes. so somebody's but reaching up into the categories of like, hello. Yeah. Now, before, All of the women are mourning for you. What? <laughs> for a whole year. A whole year. A whole year. Just this is a man who's above you. every desire. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, ladies. <laughs> I prioritize. <laughs> well, before we get uh, too carried away by Plutarch, I thought maybe we should have a little bit of a chat about who Plutarch actually is, since we've been very heavily focused on Livy and Dionysius, who are writing more narrative histories, mm. obviously. Um, Plutarch is a little bit different. Yes. First of all, he's, he's a much writing, later source. He is, yeah. He's writing a lot later than the sources we're currently looking at. Like, Livy seems to have been writing sort of, you know, basically sort of Augustan sort of period. Um, so... You know, we're talking le- about the sort of 50 BCs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, downwards. Sort of very late Republic and then into Augustus's A rule. A little bit of the imperial period. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Dionysius, who we've mentioned before, is a more a Greek source. Overlaps a little bit with yeah. Livy. Yeah. Um, so, around about the same sort of time period. Yeah. A little bit earlier. And but they do cross over. Livy and Dionysius sort of inhabit the yeah. same space, if you like. Yeah. Um, Plutarch, on the other hand, uh, seems to be writing probably about um, I'd say about a hundred, hundred and fifty years after these guys. Yeah. So yeah. he's writing in what is going to be like the late first, yeah. early second century CE. Yeah. So the Common Era. And so he's in the imperial is, period. Yeah. I mean, his output is fucking sorry. Freaking massive! <laughs> Excuse I'm sorry, your I got too, friend. I'm getting excited with the two dams in front of me. <laughs> yeah, his output is just phenomenal, vast. Yeah, it's huge. But one of the things that he's um, probably Most, best known mm. for, yeah, is uh, his his biographies, basically, which is it's set out. Um, they usually called his parallel lives, uh, and this is basically because he doesn't just write someone's biography. He basically takes a significant Roman figure. And pairs them with a significant... Well, well, sorry. He takes significant figures and sort of pairs them together. Yeah. yeah. He does try to take a Greek life... Yeah, generally Greek and, and Roman. a Roman yeah. life and yeah. stick them together. Yeah. Uh, write the biography for each. Yes. And then have a comparative section at the end. Yeah. He's like, so, by looking at these two lives together, what do we learn <laughs> about the two? Yeah, so you can only imagine that um, sometimes... Well, I think, I mean, I think it, basically what we'd say is that you can kind of learn a lot just from looking at who the person's paired with, you know, who's considered a suitable parallel life. Who is their Dr. G to their Dr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> who's playing the straight woman here? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and also I suppose the other thing to sort of think about is um, we might think of biography as being somewhat similar, I suppose, to history these days. But it's, a, it's considered to be a little bit different. I suppose as, uh, in the ancient mind, it probably is a little bit more of a separate entity. Yeah, it's pretty dangerous yeah. because when we approach these sort of sources, mm-hmm. particularly when you first start reading them, something like Plutarch is so rich in historical detail that you're like, yes. ah, 
oh, it's like history. Yeah. But it's really not. Um, it's just because you didn't live in the time period. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, it's full of historical detail. Yes. But he's not trying necessarily to write history. Yeah, exactly. He's interested in providing a moral guide yes. on some level. Yeah. Um, this is how you should live your life or not. Yeah. <laughs> Taking figures that he's decided he's selected as being mm. distinguished, for yeah. instance, is your first issue. The fact that the lives are presented outside of a much broader narrative. Yeah. So the narratives are self-contained within the biography. Absolutely. So it becomes much more about the subjective events happening around in that person's life. Yes. And their impact or influence in them as far as Plutarch is concerned. Yes. So he is doing historical research. Absolutely. In yeah. order to write these biographies. Yeah. I suppose it's just, I suppose the other thing to note maybe is that biography is sort of considered like lesser I suppose to the practice of oh, writing I know I'm sorry. I, I hate to say it but yeah it's not considered Wait to be Plutarch. <laughs> I love Plutarch I love Plutarch but um, yeah it's not considered to be quite as illustrious as writing history you know <laughs> in the age world and also what we think of as a biography I think is quite different to what Plutarch produces exactly as yeah. an ancient biography we, I mean, you know, we tend to expect like a you know I mean it's cliche but like a womb to the tomb type account <laughs> of, um, of you know, if I'm picking up a biography, I would generally expect to have an overview of you know, their entire life. And I want you to psychoanalyze them. And <laughs> let's them get guys. Freudian yeah, exactly. Let's get Freudian. Yeah, you know, that's the kind of approach that a lot of biographies take these days. But Plutarch, um, well, not just Plutarch, I think in the ancient world, they don't really necessarily see childhood as being this massively... <laughs> important and pivotal period of your life. <laughs> Let's start when things get interesting. Exactly, yeah. Far more sensible approach. <laughs> Couldn't do anything interesting as a child. Let's just ignore that period. <laughs> what is this childhood of which yeah. you speak? I mean, not to, not to say that he doesn't include stories, but if he does include stories about, say, a childhood or something, it's probably going to bear some Moral reference. weight. Yeah, exactly. Mm. On you know, how they turn out, you mm. know, in, yeah, anyway. Um, and obviously also he's also dealing with the same sorts of issues as other people are and, you know, availability of material and oh, all yeah. that kind of... And, and there, must, there is some overlap between the sources that Plutarch has access to and the sort of sources that Livy and Dionysius are relying on. For sure. But yeah. on the other hand, he's also like 100, 100 to 150 years ahead mm. of them in terms of history. So for him, his source material is also Livy and Dionysius. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, was getting, I was getting lost in your chronological. Uh... <laughs> Not only. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He could be looking at them. He's going to his... be looking at yeah. them. Yeah. As well as other material. It's like that song, you know. I'm looking at you, <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> it, I would, I would like to agree, but I really don't think it is. No. I had to bring up a song somewhere. It's our 50th episode. Yeah, right. yeah. Anywho, so without much ado, is that all we need to say? I think it's probably. I think so. Yeah. Let's. Okay. Publicola, yeah. a life in retrospect, <laughs> pulling all the threads together. I feel like I should have some piano music here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, now the parallel life that Publica is paired with is Solon, the lawgiver. Ooh. Yeah, who we're really not going to talk about. No, um, um, but I think it says something about it's. He, he's an equally. I mean, you know. Solon's sort of considered a bit to be potentially a, a mythical. A foundation figure exactly. for classical athletes. Yes, exactly. So he's obviously quite pivotal in, um, in, you know, in Athenian society. He may be somewhat mythical, who knows. You know. <laughs> but yeah, so it kind of says a little bit, I think, about where Publica, P- 
Publicola sits, mm. that this is who um, Plutarch's chosen to pair him with. Um, and he basically starts by giving a bit of a, a history of the family. That That's important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what we learn about... Um, well, we should call him by his real name. So Publius Valerius. Sorry, yes, he hasn't had um, the extra title yet. Yeah, he yeah. hasn't gained the title Publicola yet. Mm. Um, but Publius Valerius is of Sabine extraction. Mm. Mm. An ancient Valerian mm. family. Yes. <laughs> so he has a bit of a Sabine heritage, yeah. which is going to be really interesting. Uh, given how much time the Romans spend at war with the Sabines well, yeah, during have, the period that we're about to embark on. You have to on. assume that it's probably not the most unusual thing, given that Rome's had bloody Sabine kings. <laughs> Look, there's yeah. a lot of cross-bloodlines. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's getting very confusing. I think the distinction is largely semantic yeah, rather than genetic. I agree. Um, but I think it's significant that um, what Plutarch uh, signals about his family ancestry is that perhaps one of his ancestors helped to sort of bring peace uh, between the Romans and the Sabines, you know, when they were originally having... Oh, the irony. Well, at least at least in one of the points in time when they were having trouble. <laughs> mm. Yes. Well, yeah. yeah, indeed. And interestingly, Plutarch also sets up uh, Valerius as a figure that sort of heralds democracy. Yes, absolutely, yeah, that he's going Which to Which is... Be- you know, for yeah. all intents and purposes, laughable. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm glad you laughed <laughs> on cue. When do I not? When do I not? <laughs> but it is, because there is really nothing very democratic about the Roman system at this point in time. No. Nor is not there when ever. Which no. <laughs> not when you're almost constantly consul. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he is, he, is, he is definitely set up right at the beginning of the life. Um, Plutarch basically says he is going to be incredibly just. He's uh, very charitable uh to you know the less fortunate you know he's he's so awesome <laughs> anyway he's almost as democratic as he can be given the constraints of the situation he I finds himself i think that's a fair assessment thanks <laughs> yeah. plutarch for making this really clear yeah exactly yeah. Uh, in that he's not a total bastard to the lower class <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, yeah. As, as we will see yeah um so, like, just to do some broad brushstrokes on um, a few of the things that Valerius is involved in, mm. um, you may recall that he and Brutus are the two figures that really yes. instigate um, the downfall of the kings of Rome. Yes, um, absolutely. And come into the consulship mm. um, in order to make some of this work out. So, this is 509. Yeah. And Publius Valerius yeah. and Brutus... Uh, coming to the consulship, and that's like this sort of moment of change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Plutarch does actually mention that um, when the whole downfall of the kings and la 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 happened, that um, initially um, Valerius wasn't chosen to be his first colleague. Uh, rather, <laughs> it was uh, in Plutarch's version the, um, the husband of Lucretia who was chosen, and Brutus is just, quite frankly, not happy, Jan. No. Not <laughs> impressed. No. Um, he, in Plutarch's version, he wants Valerius, and Valerius wasn't chosen because he was, you know, a worse dude or anything like that. Um, but people apparently are still perhaps a little bit afraid about what's going to happen with this whole downfall of the kingship things. And mm. therefore they think, let's maybe keep it a little in the family and give it to the husband of Lucretia. <laughs> keep it on the down low. Yeah, exactly. And so that, that's really the, uh, the the main reason why Valerius is sort of passed over. <laughs> Who really needs to be compensated here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, And Valerius sort of um, basically, he's like, well, 
screw you guys then. I was totally going to do an awesome job, but I'll just, you know, <laughs> take myself you know, out of the field. I'll just, I'll just retire. I'll give up the Senate. I, I'm not going to do anything, in fact, anymore. Giving away all of my goods. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, exactly. Everybody becomes really concerned that he's actually going to defect. Yeah, and they're like... And oh, hang out oh, with the talk. Yeah. <laughs> Have we made an enemy here? Yeah. Mm. Um, but he is still amongst one of the first to take that very important <laughs> oath where they say, we'll never, ever, 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 ever Ever, 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 ever. Let the Tarquins back. Exactly. (laughs) And he was like, I'm so on board with this. I'm totally doing this. And everyone's like, maybe he's not so bad after all. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So he's right there at the forefront of everything that's happening, even though he's, you know, claimed to, you know, (laughs) bugger off and not do anything. Um, Not have anything to do with public business anymore. Yeah, look, and he has a bit of a dicey period um, Mm. early on because he's living in a really nice house. Yes. On the top of a hill. Bit too swish, yes. I heard. A bit too above his station, because, perhaps. Yeah, because he does get into the consulship. Yeah. And everyone's like, but you look like you could be like a king. <laughs> uh, living in your nice house on the top of the hill, it's very fancy. Yeah. And we've encountered this narrative from a couple of different perspectives. Yeah. But interestingly, in Plutarch, it just goes like well extreme. Yeah, Uh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Way more extreme than Livy and Dionysius take it. Um, Because in Plutarch's account, he actually sort of like gets the house raised. um, Yeah. (laughs) Burns the house down. You want me to have the house? Fine. And he was like, Fine. You think I'm a king? You think the house is a signal of my my interest in kingship? I cannot even begin to tell you how that's not true. Let me burn down this house. (laughs) I've made myself homeless. And I'm living with my friends. That's quite a statement. Um, it's quite a statement. This is, <laughs> this is way more extreme than yeah. we see in Livian Dionysus. Just putting it out there, I think this might be a little bit of a hyperbole. Perhaps, moment. yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, because basically he just starts living with friends until the people say, oh, all right, well, <laughs> build a house here then. We're happy with this location. Let me give yeah. you some land. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the people get together and are like, look, that's probably not so appropriate. How, yeah. about, how about you live somewhere? We didn't mean that we wanted you to be homeless. <laughs> I think you've taken it a little bit too seriously. Yeah. In any case, um, Valerius seems to take on board the issues that people or the concerns of people Absolutely, he becomes yeah. really proactive as a lawmaker. Yes, definitely. And huh. hint, hint. <laughs> so long, wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Are you seeing yeah. the parallels? <laughs> yeah. So he does very particular things. Um, and this I, is... I know you're just dying to bring up the axes and the lictus rods. I, I am. I yeah. am. Just you wait for it. But yeah. I, I got a lot going on here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because there are new details about the lictors and the rods. I in know. Plutarch. I know. Yeah. New information or more hyperbole. Indeed. Um, yeah. But he opens up the consulship mm. um, so that more people are able to uh, enter themselves into the running for the consulship. So this nice, is yeah. nice. Yeah, um, yeah. This is good. More people can be involved. Yeah. yeah. Um, everyone's like, that's not very kingly. Breaking down the barriers is always a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> He does some really specific things to get the plebs on side. Yes, this is his laws about people having the right to, uh, you know, like a commoner having the right to sort of appeal mm. a judgment from one of the consuls. Yeah, yeah. So a judgment is made by the consul. You don't yeah. agree with it? Appeal. Yeah. Appeal. <laughs> Say something. You're a person. Say something. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not like that. Well, you can, yeah. well yeah. depending on how you feel. <laughs> um, but yes, a, the plebs are now allowed to appeal. Yeah. Um, 
the idea that no one can enter a magistracy without having the approval of the people. Yes, that's pretty important. Yeah, I mean, you I think, mean, on paper, you think yes, in a way, but in practicality, not well, so much. Well, yeah, I mean, and you, to be honest, like you kind of assume that that goes without saying. Like, I wouldn't just wake up one morning and go, you know what? I feel like a consular kind of day today. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm consul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, therefore, I am. Yeah, that's right. Way too soon, way too soon. Yeah. Um, they haven't made that connection yet. But still, you know, it's nice to have it formalised, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's more of a, a show or a display than, yes. than a practicality, given the way that the centuries are organised for sure. the voting blocks. Absolutely, yeah. um, The plebs, ultimately, probably don't really end up making any of the decisions. No, I don't say they don't <laughs> but the idea is that it's nice has to make them think that they do <laughs> gestures that's what's important yeah, yeah. and uh, loosening tax restrictions yes. this reminds me this puts yeah. me very much in mind of Ronald Reagan um, <laughs> draw what parallels you will yeah listeners from that parallel yeah exactly um, but the loosening of tax regis- restrictions so to encourage business yeah yeah absolutely and yeah so, you know, if it's... Making Rome a prosperous place for all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see how that worked out in modern America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's not uh, entirely fair. I mean, <laughs> Rome is somewhat... Apples and oranges. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rome is somewhat <laughs> agricultural at this point in time. <laughs> Everybody's well on board with the, t- the lifting of tax restrictions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone likes that. Yeah. And even more exciting mm. um, is this idea that actually... Um, if you show disobedience to the consuls, because the idea is like once you're once you're in a magistracy, yeah. you have the power. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you disobey a consul, mm. um, you do have to pay a fine. Well, that sounds fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Five oxen and two sheep. Mm. Yeah. Ouch. That, that's, that's quite heavy. That does well, sound quite high. But you know, yeah. you want to you want to discourage. Are you, are you part of an agrarian nation or what? <laughs> exactly. You want to yeah. lose that ox? I totally am. You just yeah. keep resisting <laughs> the consul. And a vegetarian one at that. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So is this bringing us to the axes? Come on, I want to get to the axes. Oh no! Well, the what? axes. The axes are coming. <sighs> I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure I read about the axes. Yeah, okay. Well, basically what I've got is that this is goes back to um, something you've mentioned before, in that um, we know that uh, the lictors, they have axes attached to the rods, which they tend to, you know, travel about with, whatever. Indeed. Yeah, exactly. And basically, he removes the axes from these rods, and when he comes into the assembly inclined and lowered the rods themselves mm. to the people. This is a very new detail. It is. Um, the idea of the axes being removed from the fasces, yeah. um Which is, is a, like a consular thing. Yeah, symbol a symbol of power. power. Yeah. Is, that's all well and good. Yeah. Down with that. And then this idea all of a sudden that you would lower the rods minus the axes to the assembly. Yeah, a bit of a nod. a gesture yeah. of respect. Absolutely. Everybody yeah. likes a gesture of respect. Yeah, and, and something that uh, Plutarch says, you know, Seth says, Plutarch <laughs> says is still a tradition in his own time. Hmm. You know, so yeah, it's kind of a, a nod to the people, you know. Because they are the sovereign rulers of this grand republic. Exactly, yeah. And it is SPQR. Well, <laughs> and, and that's probably really quite important at this point in time as mm. well. I'm like, you've just thrown out the kings and you're like, how are we going to make it clear that this is a different type of system. True, we have yeah. to create new rituals. There has to be new symbols. Absolutely, yeah. Because you don't want to just see, you know, as you said, I think, when we were talking about this originally, you don't want it just to be seen as, okay, so we've got rid of one king, now we have two. Ah, Yay. check it out. Double the 
travel. <laughs> Everyone wants the rule. Yeah, so yeah, you want to make it seem a little bit, uh, a little bit less. <laughs> yes, of, uh, less you know. threatening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I might be the magistrate. I might be the consul, but you voted me in, and I respect. Back to you for yeah, that. exactly. And it's because of all these sorts of things that he finally gets that title. Does he not? Oh, yes, Publicola. Yeah. Oh, cherished yeah. by the people. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well. Go gooey inside. Yeah, and to just cement the claim, as far as Plutarch is concerned, yeah. Uh, we have this idea that comes up in his account yeah. where if somebody makes himself a tyrant mm. sets himself up as a tyrant he yeah. can just be slain I without like any trial you mm. notice a tyrant you just kill you that person down. take yeah. him down take him down and, and you won't have to pay any penalties yeah, yeah. it's amazing um, you're free of blood guilt yeah. if you can demonstrate proof that the person was acting as a tyrant yeah Sounds good. <laughs> Neat and tidy. I would have, I would love some real life examples of this. Like, <laughs> my wife, she was totally <laughs> acting like a tyrant. <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you. Yeah. She just assumed office in the whole house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yes, anyway, so yes, very important uh, democratic. Yeah. Mm, yeah, and also some treasury reforms apparently. Yeah, and this is this one actually kind of jumped out at me as well as being quite significant because of the fact that um, basically you can imagine at this point in time it might not be super formal the way you go about collecting money when you need it for the people <laughs> like to wage a war or something. People, we're going to war. I need all your money. Yeah. Collection tin, collection tin. Ling <laughs> <laughs> If you can't sign up with the dollars, <laughs> you might need to sign up with your body. Exactly, yeah. Um, so basically, he doesn't want it to be seen that, you know, he's collecting money and then, like, taking it home. Hmm. <laughs> um, so the idea that, you know, he doesn't want anyone to have that kind of power, not just himself. I'll look after your cash for you. Yeah. <laughs> Weak. <laughs> my cellar. Oh, no. <laughs> Where did it go? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, instead he basically deposits, um, whenever there is a need for this, um, he deposits the public funds in the Temple of Saturn and um, basically apparently sort of sets up the whole idea of the quysters or the, the people who look after Well, this is what I find curious yeah. because this hasn't come up anywhere. No, I know. In any of our yeah, other source material. Thing, yeah. So I have large questions. Um, the idea that the quysters are invented by Publicola. Exactly, yeah. Is this just making Publica sound extra awesome? Look, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to maintain a level of neutrality mm. in accepting this claim at this point in time um but it's interesting yeah it's interesting. it is definitely yeah and for those of you who don't know because i don't think we've really talked about it before quaestors are basically um you know they're on the what will become like the cursus honorum which is like the the, the path ladder. of honors exactly yeah the ladder that romans um sort of climb in order to achieve politicians yeah exactly when you know consulships right at the top um quaestor is one of the the, the lower ranks mm. still important but yeah, it's one of the stepping one of the stepping stones. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, yeah. So this is this is totally a new detail. Um, anyway, I then have this idea that um, publica publicula. God, that really is a mouthful. To say. <laughs> um, that basically, um, when he has uh, a new consul, um, the father of Lucretia, Lucretius, he basically says that um, because he is an older man than himself, mm. that therefore in the consulship he should have um, the privileges of seniority. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Nod to the, you know, respect for <laughs> elders, hello. And therefore to him he commits the fasces. 
Wow. Yeah, again, something Foo Fight claims How continues unusual. to be a Again, in the, another detail which I don't think we've talked about before. No. And, again, and I much prefer the one where they get to switch it between them every month, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It sounds so, much more fun and more fair. Yeah, and so it's kind of uh, kind of an interesting little extra detail there again. Are we just trying <laughs> to insert <laughs> in every significant Lord, moment I, that we can yeah <laughs> if in if we can make inserting publicola yeah are like a useful phrase for people <laughs> I, I think we should definitely run with that insert uh, a little publicola into your day yeah yeah have you tried inserting the publicola um so. mm, what's that fragrance valerian publicola <laughs> the people love me yeah that's right <laughs> Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so, he so. has this process. So, like, his consulship. So, it's 509-ish. Right. Um, where he shares it with Brutus. Uh-huh. 508, where he shares it with Titus Lucretius. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, sorry. Can I insert something here? Sorry. Is it going to be public It law? is going to be public law. <laughs> Then by all means. Okay. I just thought I'd also note the fact that um, when Brutus, Brutus obviously falls in battle. Um, but, Sad face. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the fact that Publicola gives him this magnificent oration. Oh, yeah. And Plutarch says that that's also something which, you know, is so awesome. And the Romans yeah, like yeah. the idea so much that they start to get on board with this idea that when someone really awesome dies, then you should have this sort of... Yeah, public, and, I, yeah. and I think this has been backed up with the other sources that we've been looking at as that well. That was mentioned, I yeah, think. Yeah, this is something yeah. that Livy and Dionysius do cover, this idea that the funeral oration, um, the public funeral oration for a significant yes. citizen yeah. is sort of... Uh, prompted or inspired by this speech absolutely um, and i think that, that sounds Valerius reasonable gives from yeah Brutus. yeah exactly yeah definitely sorry continue Ooh. <laughs> so you get 508 i believe Ooh, yeah 508 yeah so he's consul in 509 right he's consul in 508 <laughs> he's consul in 507 he's on a roll <laughs> oh, he's not a king not a king. Um, Publius Valerius Publicola mm. shares his third consulship mm. with Marcus Horatius Pulvilius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then he takes a few years break. Well, you, you wouldn't want to give people cause for concern, would you? Not when you've been doing so well at being <laughs> no. a people person. That's right. And not when you would arouse their suspicion in the beginning yeah, by appearing the, like a king. Yeah, it is the early years of the Republic. So I think even three consulships in a row might be pushing. <laughs> Look, it's it's intense. And I wonder if the, this is partly them trying to sort it out. Like, what yeah. is this thing? And it's like, well, you've done this before. Maybe True. you could do it yeah, again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you um, know if I'm ready to take on this role? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What does it even involve? It's like, you seem to know what's going on. How about you do it? Yeah. Um, and he holds his last consulship in about 504. Ooh. Yeah. And it's again with Lucretius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that's not... That's sort of towards the end of his life, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, he yeah. dies the next yeah. year. Oh, well, sad face. Yes. But we're not quite there yet, are we? No. There's other stuff to no. talk about, yes. Um, obviously, as you might have guessed, there's quite a lot of warfare going on in this period. <laughs> where really? I know, I know. It somehow slipped it's, my attention. It's but passed me by. Yeah, by it's kind of a period of conflict. 
Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. The Romans seem to, like, I don't know, be, like, warlike or something. <laughs> they having problems yeah. with the Sabines. <laughs> they might be. And, oh. the, you know, the Taquinii and basically oh. a lot of people. Porcena, you know. The Latins. Whatever. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Publicola seems to be taking quite a front and central role, you know, in a lot of these. <laughs> he is. He yeah, is. In a lot of these um, conflicts. That's the power of consulship. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like, when they're feeling a little blue, he's there to perk them up, you know, the battle against the Tarquins, you know, <laughs> and uh, and also, I mean, I, am I jumping ahead too much if I talk about Publicola and Persena? No. Okay. No, do it. So we talked before in quite a lot of detail about you know what the hell is going on with Porcena, <laughs> um, and Publicola being the wise character that he is, because he's not just about war; he's also about you know he might be have valor and that sort of thing in battle, but he's also diplomat you know he's, he's awesome in all ways um and so he's the one that sort of sees that perhaps Porsena would be better off as like an ally rather than someone that the room is constantly pissing off <laughs> maybe we can persuade him to join us yeah well yeah he seems to be like basically saying okay well we want to somehow work it out so that this guy is no longer I don't know, besieging us. <laughs> you know what would be nice? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, and so I've, I've got, you know, this really interesting story which sort of jumped out at me is Publicola's um, sort of central role in negotiating the giving of hostages. Mm. Um, Offering to his own daughter. Yeah, which I think we did mention yeah, um, yeah. briefly. But Valeria gets much more of a mention in Plutarch's Exactly, life. yeah. And Publicola seems to be much more involved in sort of striking this deal with Porcena and saying... Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, things have gotten way out of hand. Like, you think we didn't like you? It's really not about that. It's just, you know, Tarquins, whatever. <laughs> um, and Porcena sort of shows himself off as being um, the better man in this sense because he basically says that, you know, I really respect you, Porcena. Um, you know, I, I happily would make you the judge of, you know, this whole dealings that we have with these ex-royals whereas Tarquin of course being an arrogant twat (laughs) (laughs) says no man is my judge especially not you poor Senna even though that doesn't really make much sense because Senna's kind of his ally supposed to be ally at that point in time but that's where you know he sort of shows his mettle as opposed Mm. to you know the king that he's helped depose and I think that's obviously you know that's Plutarch making the comparison particularly clear um, I think Oh, yeah, but, you know, and then you get the little details where Mm. Plutarch is clearly, like, you know, overblowing the story. Yes. Good times, good times. Because we have the story of uh, Cloella. Yeah, yeah, Cloella, yeah. And her and the maid's defection. Yes. So they had this hostage situation with Porcena. Yeah. The Romans send some children, Mm -hmm. including some maidens. Yeah. Um, Some of the women escape. Yeah. And Cloella is the most prominent one of yeah, these. Yeah, she seems to be the ringleader. Trust. Trust a woman to be at the heart of this struggle. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. They're very much involved in history, even when they don't come into the narrative. Yeah, and in fact, um, she actually, uh, interestingly, uh, crosses the stream on horseback. Which... Don't know where she got the horse. Yeah, exactly. Because the whole setup was apparently that they were bathing. Yeah. But anyway. Difference um, in the detail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Details, details. Yeah. Maybe you wash with a horse for good luck. Maybe that explains uh, her equestrian statue. <laughs> well, interestingly, and this is yeah. where Plutarch does a bit of the old uh, hyperbole on the yeah, whole yeah. story, mm. where he, he basically speculates that the equestrian statue that is granted to Cloelia yeah. is quite possibly for Valeria That's instead. True. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, which is definitely something that I haven't had mentioned before. 
Look, yeah. I would just dismiss this as trying to uh, insert the publicola yeah. into this narrative. Yeah. If he's an awesome dude, then all his offspring must also be awesome. <laughs> Have you Let's just forget about Brutus's sons and the whole traitor thing, but you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, basically, um, I remember when we talked about this whole story of Cloelia, about how you talked about um, when they, you know, they have this, you know, amazing escape and they swim away or ride at slash swim away. Mm. Uh, they make it back to Rome and they're like, hey guys. And Publicola basically sort of, um, in this version, takes a much stronger version than we've ever seen before. Like, actually rebuking them. Well, not sort of, yeah, not exactly rebuking them, I suppose, but basically saying like, nah, it's not, this is not going to be <laughs> a situation where I think you're awesome or I give you any sort of... I'm not giving you guys credit no. for this. No, snaps. You're actually, no snaps, yeah. You're actually ruining negotiations at this exactly. point in time. And it's also because he feels like it's going to reflect not just badly on, you know, how the Romans have behaved for Senna, but how his word is sort of, you know, going to be, you know basically sort of worthless after this, yeah know? it's like I've spent yeah. a lot of time trying to get these negotiations happening yeah. the hostages were part of that negotiation you're really undermining our chance of achieving a peace here yeah exactly so I'm um, sending you all back yeah and that's basically what you said I remember you saying that in your version of things you know the consuls really do you know throw the women under well, us they but, do quite yeah. substantially but it's not I don't think Publicola is specifically singled out there is he as being no the, like the real and, leader of this yeah. and actually the way that Plutarch narrates this is kind of a little bit more redeeming for Publicola mm. um, because it's less about just throwing the women under the bus and yeah. then saying look like this has got nothing to do with us this was never about this yeah. it's more framed in terms of like look the negotiations are going to stagnate if you don't go back. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah. getting you it's all together. It's going to look a bit suspicious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you haven't really thought through the implications. I know you're not having a great time <laughs> Women. Uh, with Persena, <laughs> Yeah. but trust me, it's important. You need to go back now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a much more reasonable type yeah. of narrative, to and this be honest. Is, this is kind of where, you know, with the maidens going back, like I know um, in Dionysius you talked about how um, there was this... Um, sort of twist to the narrative in that as as they were journeying back the Tarquins decided let's seize these maidens because for some <laughs> interception exactly yeah let's double cross <laughs> <laughs> think we're allies with you poor Senna <laughs> no yeah. um, I don't think you understand how seriously we're taking this situation we actually just really want to be in charge of everything exactly yeah so um, in Plutarch's account not only does he include this story but he actually has Valeria Publicola's daughter basically making a daring escape um, <laughs> during this time when the Tarquins are trying to seize all the maidens. Um, Ooh, so, how exciting. Yeah, and that's probably perhaps why I suppose maybe she's suspected as being the one who's deserving of a statue. You know, that's, that's kind of the reason wow. I suppose he gives for her maybe being an alternate <laughs> equestrian statue receiver. <laughs> well, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, so again, again. Inserting a bit of public life into your day. <laughs> you can enhance any narrative. Yeah, exactly. And that kind of brings us, I suppose, rather neatly back to the whole Sabine affair, doesn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Um, so basically, um, when trouble starts up with the Sabines again, funnily enough, in Plutarch's version, it is not Publicola who's consul, but his brother. Ah. Marcus Valerius ah. um, and Posthumius Tubertus. Um, but well, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That's that's exactly what we have in our other narrative. Yeah, exactly. And um, and basically, what Plutarch says, which I don't think I remember reading in our other versions. I could be wrong, but he basically says that um, Publicola 
is crucial nonetheless in giving advice <laughs> to these two guys. Oh, um, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And because of that, basically they have these two massive battles and in the second one, they don't even lose a single Roman. Even though they kill like 13,000 of their opponents. Uh, balls. <laughs> I, I, the podcast <laughs> is not the right sort of format for me to convey my wordless speechless increditude it's pretty at amazing this sort of mo- yeah it's pretty amazing <laughs> to not lose a single uh, Roman <laughs> and how many of the sublines were 13, lost 13,000 apparently yeah wow I know That's just, that just shows that even when he's not in charge he's mere advice <laughs> You know, he followed his advice and all is well. You know? well. you know, and you know, having like Marcus uh, Valerius, your own brother, as consul. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. You've got exactly. the got the ear of Publicola. Totally. You yeah. Know. You're going to be sweet. <laughs> you know how it's going to go down. And this is no where, lives lost. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And this is where Plutarch brings up that story that you um, talked about before about. Um, uh, the house being given with the special doors. Oh, yeah. the special doors! Yeah, yeah, I open, love this story. Yeah, they open out <laughs> rather than opening in like all the other houses. Yeah. yeah. Um, so another another surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course, Publicola himself is consul for the fourth time um, mm-hmm. when the Romans are facing the Sabines yet again. And also perhaps in trouble with the Latins. Yeah, yeah, and what I really like about this particular version of this narrative, yeah. because we're getting right towards the end of Publica's career at this point, yeah. is that we get this idea that there are more portents involved. Yes. Now. The Sibylline book. Oh, so, yeah. yeah so. And, and I have these moments where like these religious things happen, they leap out at me. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> it's my time to shine. Please, go ahead. Um, yeah. This divine sign. Apparently, all the women in the city who are pregnant deliver children that are deformed (gasps) and premature. That is definitely not a good sign. Well, not for future generations of warfare, no. no. (laughs) Um, It's a pretty bad sign. Yeah. Um, But they're like, what does this mean? I think everyone's pretty scared. (laughs) I'd be be quite... This doesn't sound like a good portent. No. 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 So, consultation with the Sibylline books, as you do... Mm. and the upshot of this is that they decide to make a whole bunch of sacrifices because mm. um, you've got to propitiate the gods because obviously things this is not a good sign. Of course. Um, yeah. Clearly things are not going as they should. Yes. <laughs> um, and the advice is that he needs to start up some games. Yes, to Apollo, uh, I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which uh, had fallen by the wayside. Mm. And gods are not pleased by this. No. And are punishing not. all of the future generations accordingly. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With their premature and deformed births. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty clear sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so interestingly, even though it's not tied into the war effort in a broader sense, no. uh, it's sort of like this sense in which the Romans always need to achieve balance between yeah. what they're doing in their social yes. and civic life yeah. and how that will reflect later on in their war You affairs. can understand them things were falling by the way, wayside considering they've been at war like a lot, <laughs> you know. You know, guys, I know we've had a tough, like, you know, five or six yeah. years worth of war with the Sabines, but, but we really need to have the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Polo's not going to wait. <laughs> Polo's still mad at you. Exactly, yeah. Um, now, interestingly, when we talked about um, the whole tension between the Sabines and the Romans before, we talked about this seeming uh, defection of mm. um, Appius Claudi- Claudius, um, who becomes, you know, very, that, that whole family becomes very significant 
Mm, um, this in is the start life. of the Claudii. Yeah, exactly. From the Sabines to the Roman side. Um, basically because, um, you know, for whatever reason, like, Claudius maybe wasn't so keen on going to war with Romans, and so he and his tribe, you know, basically do exactly what the Sabines were afraid he was going to do, and <laughs> <laughs> pack up shop and go to the Roman side. Oh, the irony. Yeah, now this um, this in itself, okay, that's, that sounds all right. But in, um, in Plutarch, again, it sounds like Publicola is much more involved in getting this defection to happen. It runs, it's very Cold War. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, Publicola knows that they're going to defect and he, uh, <laughs> he gives them, you know, uh, grants of land. Like, we, we know about the grants of land, but the fact that he sort of seems to be the one kind of orchestrating it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he makes sure that Appius Claudius himself gets, you know, the hugest portion yeah just keeps inviting them over and like yeah. you know doing a little bit of the old yeah. you know you should join us exactly if you join us look at all this land <laughs> yeah. that you get out. have you considered ours rid of you <laughs> <laughs> malaria in the summer a, a place in the senate i think i can arrange that <laughs> um yeah so the fact that this very significant family seems to owe its origins in rome to his machinations <laughs> yeah the, the subtle charisma oh i know that is know. yeah exactly yeah so that's kind of uh again he waves a magic wand over persena he waves a magic wand over the claudia what can i say oh. he's a diplomat as well as you know someone who's oh. also in battle and a gentleman huh. yeah <laughs> no wonder the matrons mourn for him exactly yeah. for a whole year yeah. <laughs> exactly and that sort of brings us to um the narrative i suppose that you were talking about last time with the whole, you know, the Romans are uh, hiding in their ditches and <laughs> near, near Fidne. And... <laughs> yes, yes. The and, ditch hiding. Yes, exactly. And, you know, they're trying to crash the Sabines and la la la. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, eventually we know the Romans, you know, triumphant. And it seems that they owe a lot to Publicola in this. Oh, is he being, has he been part of the strategy, has he, he? He is being lauded as being quite important, you know, not just the gods, but the public, you know, but publicola. Oh. He, is, he is crucial. And mm. that's, that's pretty, it's pretty high to say that he's, you know, it's the gods he are, dies that year, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how, how, how useful could he have been? <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, the fact that, you know, it's, yeah, he's, he's up there. He's up there again. Mm. And, uh, and then, as you say, that kind of brings us, the end of its glorious life which when you Valet, think about it when Publicola. you think about it everything that we've been talking about has apparently happened in about five years <laughs> <laughs> well it has yeah but you know it's laying out the details yes absolutely and this is obviously you know again i suppose obviously biography is um perhaps setting out a morality but it's, it's morality that people are going to find useful and that is going to center on you know sort of how you conduct yourself in public life yeah, and yeah. Publicola, the way that this story sort of comes to a conclusion in Plutarch mm. is emphasizing all of the sort of values that Romans are interested yes, in, attaching them to themselves. Final yeah, in yeah. a way, he becomes set up as one of these first ideal Roman citizens Absolutely, of yeah. the Republican tradition. Yeah. Um, because he dies, and um, the uh, poverty in which. He has lived his life, yes, um, yeah. presumably in the latter half after yeah. he's burnt down his house <laughs> on the fancy hill. That might be where he lost his um, <laughs> Yes, you know. Yeah. Um, there's this sense in which um, they want to bury him with honour. Mm. Um, and 
it should be done at a public expense. Yes, yeah. And everyone should contribute towards that. Absolutely, um, yeah. But actually, this is something which is also tied in with the fact that he doesn't seem to have a huge amount of money. Yes, that's kind of a, in, in Plutarch, it's kind of a joint thing. It's, okay, yes, he's not particularly wealthy, but also we want to make this gesture. Yeah, we, yeah. Want, we want to yeah. recognise this individual with some sort of particular honour. We're going to bury him at public expense. And not only that, that he's buried within the city... And that his family are also going to have the privilege of being buried. Yeah, and this is a huge honour. Yeah. And we don't see anything quite like this again until much later on. Yeah. Um, but we do also have this conceit, if you like, that happens uh, where Plutarch sort of explicates that actually they don't bury people in the city. Yes. Um, yeah. They make a gesture towards burying them in the city and yes. then carry them out of the city and bury yeah. them somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> because let's face it, it's a bit of a health hazard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all about the gesture, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess I'd, uh, I guess I might wind up if I might, Doctor G. Oh, please do. With uh, yet another sickeningly sweet. <laughs> oh no. Evaluation <laughs> of uh, public love, the people's yeah. friend. Yes. So far as it can possibly be achieved by men who are regarded as honourable and good, he had brought his life to perfection. <gasps> Makes me think very much of an Oscar Wilde quote. <gasps> Which allow me to observe that you seem to be the absolute embodiment of <laughs> perfection. Why? <laughs> I think I'm paraphrasing. You. Nonetheless, you, you get where I'm going with that. Yeah. So did Oscar Wilde. <laughs> well. Uh, well, so in, uh, in that vein, as we near the 50-minute mark, happy oh, 50th episode. Yes. 50 minutes for a 50th episode. Absolutely. I think it's quite an achievement. It is. It is. Thank you, dear Thank listeners, you. for your patience, forbearance, <laughs> tolerance, interest. Love. And please, don't feel afraid. Don't be afeared. Please share your love for us, <laughs> which I'm sure there is much on iTunes. Oh, yeah. Or we're we're interested in hearing from you. Facebook, Absolutely, Twitter, yeah. iTunes, Let us know. our WordPress page. Yeah. We have many things. Exactly. We welcome it's feedback. Of we hand. welcome praise, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, we're happy to hear your thoughts on, on any issue. If there's something that we do that you like to hear more of, if there's something that we do that you like to hear less of, Whatever your thoughts are. If you just want to chat to us about, you know, the Roman Republic, what bastards the Tarquins are, we're always willing to have a chat. I'm open to yeah. stories about how are we going to actually get rid of the Tarquins. Exactly. Trust us, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to live for so long, even in mythical terms. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As you.